doesn't get you in the July 4th mood, I don't know what will there, right? Nice uh, relaxing environments and hanging tight with one another and friends and family. I am uh, looking forward to the 24th. Here we are on the 4th, so make your plans to be there. And uh, if you're interested in being baptized, we're going to offer the opportunity for people who have chosen to be followers of Jesus Christ, even if you've been a follower for a long time and you've never been obedient to that step of following the Lord in a public uh, baptism, acknowledging your faith with Him. Um, we'd like to talk to you about that, encourage you on that. There's a place to check down on the back of your Connect card. And uh, we're just going to have a baptism there in the middle of our block party uh, during that time. I am um, very mindful that um, on a day like today, uh, the most important thing probably isn't just uh, being able to hear some long message drawn out. And uh, you've you're got plans today, right? You've got firework plans maybe tonight. But uh, the uh, spirit of the worship service so far I've just been so grateful for because it really is our acknowledgement on this Independence Day that we have been given freedom. As David mentioned from the Galatians passage and we sang the song, we have been given freedom in Christ. And so we celebrate God's goodness. And so the best way for you to be able, I think, to celebrate Independence Day is in worship. We have been in a series on uh, these Sunday mornings that's out of uh, the book of 1 John, which is a letter that the Apostle John wrote. It's uh, a series entitled Light and Life. And we are going to be looking today at John chapter 3, uh, beginning with verse 19, and the subject of effective praying. You have a prayer list. Whether you have it written down or it's in your mind, you have a prayer list. And here's my question to you this morning. Are you getting any answers? Are you getting any maybe solutions to some of the prayer requests that you have? Now we pray, know that prayer is for mostly communion with the Lord. But the subject of answered prayer is what I want to put before you and just have an honest, transparent, face-to-face question. You getting any answers? Or are you pretty frustrated? Maybe you're weary. Maybe you've been carrying a prayer request before the Lord for years, and you're like, why do I keep lifting this prayer request to him? Maybe it's about something in your life you want to see altered and changed. Maybe it's for a person that you really care for. Maybe a family member. Maybe it's a career situation that just continues to drag on. Are you able to get answers to your prayers? Well, this morning, you need to know that the answers to your prayer is not dependent upon you. It's dependent upon the God who loves us and whom we celebrated around the communion table today. The Lord Jesus Christ wants to engage you in an effective prayer life. Can you picture the Apostle John? John walked with Jesus. He talked with Jesus. He prayed with Jesus. He watched Jesus praying. There was a lifestyle that John saw modeled that he carried with him through all of his years into his 90s. Is probably how old he is when he's writing this letter to Christians. And he has a heart for people to have this engaging prayer that's effective and powerful. But he watched how Jesus prayed. In fact, Jesus shared these words in uh, John, the Gospel of John, that John also had recorded, and he says this, The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, Jesus said. 
Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing His work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. You ever heard that passage before? Have you ever said to yourself, oh, come on, really? I don't know if that's the experience in my, my own life. Whatever you ask for in my name, I will do it. John saw Jesus model this intercessory work with his heavenly Father. While Jesus was here for his 33 years on this earth, and then his death and his resurrection, he ascended back into the heavens, and he's coming again, as we believe. But that communion that Jesus had with his Father and establishing his work in the material, physical realm of his day is the same kind of communion that we have through the provision of Christ's death and resurrection so that we can continue the work of God in this day and age for the 70, 80, 90 years that God may so bless us. It was God's intention for you to be engaged in his work and that the forefront of his work is this petitioning, this idea of asking of God. But yet so many times, especially because maybe our prayers aren't answered, we become sheepish. We sort of withdraw or we are double-minded or we're weak in our faith and our acknowledgement of what God's trying to do. In this passage of First John 3, I want us to reflect back on the verse we ended with last week. We ended with verse 18, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And we acknowledge that God wants us to be engaged in His work, which is loving him, but that work has to have actions and deeds to it. And I sort of gave the assignment, hey, you know, love and actions and deeds. I won't take any head count as to how many actually practice that this week. But it's on the heels of this verse 18 that then John steps into saying this to those Christians. By this we shall know that we are of the truth, it says in verse 19, and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and He knows everything. I want to pause just briefly on this verse until we step into really the, the main verse for this whole idea of effective praying. In this verse, John is addressing those Christians who feel under condemnation. And I could sort of divide the crowd here this morning or even online and say, do you have freedom in your life right now before God, or do you feel that you're standing under condemnation? The adversary, Satan, will seek to throw condemnation on you, accusations. Now, sometimes it's rightful. We've engaged in, in uh, willful sinning, and there's dissonance, and whenever you're in disobedience, there's an awkwardness with the other person, and it's true with God. But John's saying here, are you one where your heart condemns you? Because if your heart's condemning you, you're going to have a hard time seeing effective prayers, seeing answers to prayers. 
That's why it's so beautiful to gather around the Lord's table like we did today because we acknowledge that Jesus Christ, through his death, his resurrection, he forgives us of our sins. He paid the atonement so we could be at one with God. And it's through his atonement and our acknowledging that and receiving it as part of our life that we have the forgiveness of our sins when we believe in Jesus. And he forgives you. Past, present, and future sins. That's why it's acknowledged that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Are you under condemnation this morning or maybe you're away from strayed from God, or maybe you're just checking out God, you've never even come to God for the first time through Jesus Christ. It's hard to deny when there's condemnation or distance that's filled in our heart, but we need to go to the Lord and realize that God knows everything. You're not holding with anything from him. Well, I don't want to talk about that because I don't want to bring it up. He knows, but when you bring it up, you need to acknowledge his goodness and his grace, for he is greater than all that. And allow repentance and renewal to be established in your heart and life. Because if you are under condemnation and you feel condemned, you will be distanced in your relationship with God. Satan wants you there. Satan wants you isolated from God. He wants to pull out the whole list of see here, see here, see here, see here, see here, and who are you to think that you could even approach God, let alone pray to God to see a prayer answered. Condemn, condemn. That's why he's called the accuser. He attacks, attacks, attacks. Are you under condemnation today? Then realize that God is greater than all your sin. Renew your heart and refresh your soul before him. If I am in an awkward place in a relationship, whether sometimes with even my spouse or a child or a friend, what do I do? I usually withdraw. I start to become uh, one who gives excuses. I become cynical. I criticize other people and feel like they're criticizing me. It's a stew that you don't want to fall into. Keep yourself in right standing before God. He's gracious and loving. I don't care how you have fallen in life. Everyone has a story across this room. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I don't care how you've fallen in sin or where you live. God loves you. As we said last week, the, the whole D.L. Moody thing. If anybody, Don't let anybody ever tell you that God don't love you because he do. Right? He loves you, and he is there to receive you back into relationship with him. And so John is exhorting these believers to love in action and deed, not just in word. But as we do that, we step into forwarding God's kingdom. But when we step into forwarding God's kingdom, we cannot do it under a spirit of condemnation. We need to reassure our hearts before him. That's one of your, your, your first aspects of being able to find your way to effective praying. He goes on then, and the two key verses for here today are these, in verse 21 and 22. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us. So this is, this is the opposite. If you're under niche condemnation, then you've got to deal with that in God's grace and seeking maybe salvation first time in Him or His renewal. But for those on the other side of the street who are not under condemnation, we need to have confidence before God. 
And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. So again, remember all the life that John lived with Jesus, seeing what it was. He brings it forward through those decades. He's now exhorting them in this letter that he's writing. And he's exhorting them to do the same thing that we read there in that John Gospel of John passage, which was to ask Jesus saying, ask whatever my name and I shall do it for you. Because greater works than these so you do. So he's exhorted them right back to the forefront of being in the kingdom's work. And he's saying that we need to have confidence and we need to ask and receive We need to keep his commandments. The person that is living in that light of no condemnation would identify well with what Paul said in Philippians 3.3. We who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. Now Paul wrote that because he's exhorting his Christians in his day to reckon with their uncondemned place that they stand before God. We worship the Spirit of God, and we engage in worship today, and we glory not in ourselves and our own flesh. Hey, look at me. Look what I've accomplished. But we glory in Christ Jesus. And so when you move out of condemnation through forgiveness into a place of no condemnation, You find yourself worshiping God, glorifying in Christ, not taking confidence in the flesh like it's what you can get done, what you can do. No, your hearts are turned to the one who is your master, the one who is your Lord, the one who is your redeemer, the one who is your sustainer, the one who is your empowerment for living life and serving God's purposes. And there's two things initially from this passage to look at then in verses 21 and 22. We have confidence that we can receive from him. It's sort of a little bit of a gut check. And the reason I know it's a gut check for you, because it's a gut check for me. And I've been at this for a long time. Now maybe you're better than me and you're doing well and that's great. But I still struggle sometimes having confidence in my prayer life that I'm going to receive from God. And I go to prayer, whether in my room or on a prayer walk or just driving during the day and I'm throwing up the popcorn prayer to God, I have trouble sometimes having confidence that I'm going to receive from Him. Part of this is because I've always been wired as someone who doesn't want to bother people. You've been there? I don't want to bug him. I don't want, you know, God, you got a lot of other things to do. And, you know, I'm just a little peon, a little carry up here. And, and I got things going on in my life. I'm, who am I to? And so we sort of shriek back and, and we get in that place. It's not a place of condemnation, but it's definitely a place of reclusiveness or distance from God. And it says up front here that we need to have confidence that we want to receive from the Lord. Now, I understand that prayer is foremostly communion with God and spending time in his presence. You know, acts of adoration, times of confession, giving our thanksgiving to the Lord. But we are also to represent the concerns of his kingdom and our world to him and give our petitions. We are to supplicate to him our concern. And when we do that, we're not bugging him. That's what we're called to do. Greater works than these shall I do. We're not bugging him. Who who do you think God is? He thinks you're like you, that you have to go to sleep at night or take a nap during the day. God has 
all infinite strength, wisdom, and knowledge, you cannot take anything from God and deplete him. God is God. Don't shrink him down to a man size. God's God. He runs the universe. He can surely run your little life or be concerned about the life you're trying to run and encourage someone else in. You're not bugging God. You should have confidence to take your concerns, your requests, your supplications to Him and have confidence that you can receive from Him. I could stand up here and keep giving the, the pep rally, but you've got to understand the character and the love of God that sort of starts to whack away, to wash away all the clutter that gets in our lives where we're just, uh, we're, we're just I don't know if it's double-mindedness. We're just sheepish, and sometimes we fall into indifference and, well, God, you don't, whatever, whatever. I, I've been there. I've tried that. I've prayed a long time for X, Y, and Z, and that didn't happen at all. God wants you to have confidence that you will receive from him. So question. Maybe you can write it down on the forefront of your mind this morning. What have you asked God to do in your life that, if you're honest, you've sort of given up asking? And why did you give up asking? Maybe it was self-centered. We'll look at that and address that. But, but is it because you've grown weary? Is it because you don't feel like you have a rightful place with him? You need to understand that it is of God in this day and age, especially if you are a follower of Jesus, to be in a relationship of asking and receiving. You see, when I glory in Christ Jesus through worship and obedience, then I gain the adventure of answered prayer. The daily experience of an encouragement of asking and receiving from God. And friends, this is to be the normal Christian life. You're sort of living in some doldrums as a Christian believer. Maybe it's because this dynamic adventure of answered prayer has gone flat with you. But friends, when you start to pray in the will of God to forward his kingdom, to love and actions and deeds and see him bring about his glory through answered prayer, something starts to get triggered in you and we say, hey, this isn't boring and flat and indifferent in my life. This is dynamic. And I believe young people, and beginning with children today, and I'm glad to have some of the kids in service today because it's a family worship day. If you have prayers, kids, that are real simple prayers. You keep asking God and you pray with your parents with that or teens, you find a, 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 a peer to start praying with and seek God through asking and receiving answered prayer and the faith becomes more alive and dynamic. But if you're thinking, well, that's just something that good Christians do, right? You're supposed to go to church. I'll check on that this morning on July 4th and uh, read the Bible or whatever. Check. Maybe do communion every now and then. We did that this morning. Check. Oh, yeah, I'm supposed to pray. Check. It's not about a checklist. This is about a relationship, and the relationship has to do with seeing God's kingdom come about on earth as it is in heaven. The adventure of answered prayer. John is just moving straight forward with these people, asking them to reconsider all that they're to be a part of. 
In 1 Thessalonians 5.16, it says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Maybe you've come across that verse before and you go, man, that's pretty hard. How do you pray without ceasing? I have to keep my eyes open when I drive the car, right? It's not about closing your eyes. It's about being in communion with God, worshiping Him, thanking Him, seeking Him, and also requesting of Him in this dynamic relationship. And so when you pray without ceasing, you are on your journey during the day And you're asking the Lord to help you at different turns of life and with different situations. And he's not turning a deaf ear. It's not like he's too busy listening to the other 7 billion people in the world. Because it's not less of him to be able to listen to your prayer than it is 7 billion people at one time. He's God, right? So we need to pray without ceasing and be engaged in this type of dynamic as Christ followers. And in this dynamic, we will have an adventure of answered prayer. So let me just list for you some of the marks of an effective uh, prayer life, of an effective prayer. The first is the spirit of prayer. The first is the spirit of prayer. And these are sort of outlined by a guy by the name of Ray, Ray Stedman. I appreciate how he outlined some of these. But Ray Stedman... Um, he was a man who had a very sincere, deep faith and was able to um, exposit on this text so that we could be more effective prayers and have the power of prayer. Let's go back to our verse out of the English Standard Version. That's where I pulled it from this morning. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. You could change the word confidence to boldness because that's what it means. You need to have boldness. Now, it doesn't say arrogance. It says boldness. Are there certain things that you do well in life that you're pretty confident in, right? There's a whole list of other things you're not very confident in, right? But I can do that. I'm good at that. Well, this confidence that we need to have in our prayer life is a boldness to get at it Because of our relationship we have with the one who can answer prayer. Boldness. For those of the kids that are here today or young people, do you have the ability to walk up to your mom and dad and ask them a question? Well, we'll just put it, even further back, do you have the ability to walk into your house and talk to your mom and dad? Well, of course you do. Why? Because you're part of the family. They're your mom and your dad. Now, your parents may lock themselves in the bedroom for a while because they're tired of you coming to them. I don't know. But there's this passion, uh, passionate relationship you have with your parents because They are your parents. You have the ability to be bold with the Heavenly Father because He's your Father. And maybe if you're lacking confidence, it's because you're lacking an understanding of that relationship of Him being your Heavenly Father. Or for Jesus being the one who's your Lord and your Savior, who who is there to walk with you through His Holy Spirit, does never leave you or forsake you. 
Your confidence comes from your relationship that you have. And he never grows weary with a tired ear. And so, first thing with effective praying that I just want to highlight and bring to you this morning is this aspect of confidence. But that confidence isn't there if there's condemnation in the heart, which you can deal with before God because it's him that's working your salvation and renewal and repentance and forgiveness is grace. But when you pray, feel like you have the boldness to step in to the prayer room, the boardroom of heaven. Now, this week I got my hair cut finally, and uh, I had a, a, a young man who was cutting my hair, and uh, maybe he's watching today because we talked about him engaging online maybe, and uh, he he sort of, you know, said, well, what are you doing for the fourth? And I said, well, I'm, you know, going to maybe try to see the fireworks, that kind of thing. And then I thought, you know, I'm just going to let him, let him know. I said, well, I'm a pastor, and I'm going to be preaching on the 4th of July. Oh, well, that's interesting. Pastor, what, uh, how long have you been a, a pastor? And I said, 35 years. Well, that's a long time. He goes, tell me, what's the difference between a pastor and a priest? Well, that's a long uh, story probably, but, you know, yeah, they're, they're sort of one of the same. And, and, and then he came back, and, and out of the blue, he asked me this question. He, to, he goes, which, which one does the exorcisms? I'm like, oh, well, I, I guess both do, right? In the Catholic Church, there's actually an office of exorcism, that kind of thing. But, um, and then I just chose to go ahead and let him know. I said, I've actually done... Um, uh, a lot of deliverance work in my 35 years of ministry. He goes, really? And Nanny was all intrigued. He's like, really? You do that? And I go, well, it's not like the movies. You're, you're bringing the freedom of Christ to people, and you know, I'm trying to unpack this in the best way possible. And, and, and then he, he's asking several different questions on this. And if you're intrigued by this, I'll come back next week. The passage we're actually getting to next week is going to be dealing with some of the whole thing of freedom in Christ in 1 John 4. But I'm like, okay, where do I go with this and try to point him to Christ? Confidence. He goes, do you ever get scared? I'm like, no, because stuff's not allowed to happen because of Jesus Christ, you know, you enforce his authority. And I thought in that moment because I've been involved in that kind of work for a number of years, uh, that I can get a cavalier attitude about it, but it's really not a cavalier attitude. It's just confidence that it's not like the Hollywood stuff. Jesus can free people of unclean spirits, which are fallen angels that attack them. We're attacked, we said it a couple weeks ago, by the world, the flesh, and the devil himself. It's not the devil himself because he's not omnipresent, so he has his other fallen angelic workers from eons of time that do his beckoning and bidding, but they can attach themselves and, and oppress people and different kinds of things, and you can go in that whole storyline of spiritual warfare. But I thought, my cavalier attitude is not what it is. It's a boldness, it's a confidence. And so, no, I'm never fearful now, I'm very dependent on God if I'm in a prayer session of that, but I realize that I'm there in this prayer time with this person who's under the duress of the adversary, and my boldness and my confidence in my prayer life comes because of my relationship with Christ, and it's through my relationship with Christ and Christ standing in the present who's doing the work, not me. Greater works than these shall I do because I go to the Father. That's right. You're at the Father's place at the right hand, but you're also here through your spirit, and so I am praying for this person, but it's not me who can help this person. It's Jesus. 
Jesus who can. And because I have this relationship with Jesus and I know what Jesus Christ did on the cross in defeating Satan and what he did through the power of his resurrection, I am confident in this moment. I'm not spooked and scared. Right? You have to have that disposition. When somebody brings you a prayer request, could you pray with me about, and maybe it's X, Y, and Z, right? Do you go, well, I'll give it a shot. No, it's not you that can do anything for them anyway. It's your confidence in who Christ is, and it's your confidence in the relationship you have with Christ that you can forward his work on earth as it is in heaven. So get at it. Don't be wimpy with your prayers. That's what John's saying, man. Boldness. We have confidence. We have confidence that we are going to receive. Not because we are anything of ourselves. We don't take pride in the flesh, but we glory in Christ Jesus. Second is the purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer, we receive from Him. We have confidence before God that we receive from Him. The purpose is that we would receive, we would gain something, or the other person would gain something, and that something is ultimately for his glory. For you know, it says in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. It's not referring to material wealth, though God can bless at times materially, The richness that you are receiving is His grace, His power, His glory, to give glory back to Him. He wants you to receive, so don't be inhibited in your prayers, thinking that you're greedy. Now, sometimes you can be greedy and praying for the wrong thing. But when you're praying for the will of God and the glory of Christ Jesus... He wants you to be rich in all ways. And so that's the purpose of prayer is to receive, to receive God's grace, to receive God's goodness, and to receive God's glory that you give back to Him. This is His desire. His desire is for you to receive. Well, Carrie, you don't understand. I've been shot down so many times in my life. I've just been rubbed into the dirt. I feel worthless. The moment you cross the line of faith, you become a child of God. You're a co-heir with Christ. Your identity is found in Him. You are a part of His family. He wants to give richly to you and be glorified and honored in it. The third is the scope of prayer. The scope of prayer. It says, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and whatever we ask, whatever we ask, we receive from Him. Now, it doesn't say everything we ask. You know, you may be praying, I really would like to have a brand new car. And it would be really cool if it was one of those little sporty things or something, right? Like, well, I don't know if that's what whatever really means. Or maybe there's something else that's a sort of a self-centered prayer. I like some, you know, some really nice new electronic uh, gadgets out there. I really want one of those, God. The whatever doesn't mean everything. It means whatever it is in your life that is of a burden to you and you believe could be a work of God for him to be glorified, then do not hesitate to pray in that regards, whatever it is. So whether it's physical, whether it's spiritual, whether it's material, 
or whether it's emotional, whatever it is, nothing is too small. And have you ever heard of the, the great saint uh, back in uh, the early 1800s of George Mueller? Uh, there's a lot of individuals I could have grabbed from history past, people that were great praying uh, individuals, Andrew Murray, the praying high guy. There's different people that, that really stoked the fires in my life to, to really be uh, more on it for prayer. But George Mueller's one of those where he uh, prayed for whatever was needed. He ran an orphanage uh, for children. In fact, over his life, there's about 10,000 different orphans that were a part of the orphanages that he established and he ran. 120,000 people were, uh, children were educated underneath him. But there were a lot of times when he had no provisions for his children. And uh, there was this one story that I often remember that makes me mindful of, yep, Carrie, whatever, whatever, stay with it. And it says this, one morning, all the plates and the cups and bowls on the table were empty. In other words, it was breakfast time. The kids had all come in. There was about 300 children in the orphanage. And uh, the plates and bowls were all there. But the cook came and said, you know, we don't have any food. There was no food in the larder and no money to buy food. And the children were standing and they were waiting for their morning meal when uh, George Mueller came out and he said, Well, children, you know, we must be in time for school. And to be in time for school means they needed to get their breakfast done. Then lifting up his hands, he prayed, Dear Father, we thank you or we thank thee for thou art going to give us something to eat. prayed and they waited a bit and all of a sudden lo and behold there was a knock at the door and the baker stood there and said Mr. Mueller I couldn't sleep last night somehow I felt you didn't have bread for breakfast and the Lord wanted me to send you some so I got up at 2 a.m. and baked some fresh bread and I have brought it and so they hauled it in and placed the bread around Mr. Mueller thanked the baker and no sooner he left than there was a second knock at the door it was the milkman. He announced that his milk cart had broken down right in front of the orphanage, and he would like to give the children his cans of fresh milk so he could empty his wagon and repair it. So they brought in the milk, and they had the bread, and they had breakfast. Have you ever lived a life where you're that dependent on God for your next meal? And he's answered, and he's been faithful. Many stories that I know of that, even some from my wife's background that she's shared with me at times, where God, he's interested in whatever. Something as simple as that. As interesting, George Mueller one time, because he traveled and preached to a lot of people, he was traveling across the Atlantic on his way to Quebec. And the captain came to him and he said, Mr. Mueller, I'm sorry, but a fog has set in and we're going to have to slow down the ship so we can be saved. And Mr. Mueller said, oh, I've got to be in Quebec because of this critical meeting that I'm a part of. And so he took the captain, they walked down into the chart room, and on the way down, uh, he was telling him, he says, we're just going to pray about this. And the, and the captain was like, oh, I don't know, I don't think that's really going to matter much or whatever, but I'll go with you. So they got in the chart room, they got down on their knees, and he began to pray, and George Mueller had a very simple prayer. And the captain started to pray, and he cut him off and part because he was double-minded and he didn't have a lot of faith and and other was that George thought the prayer was answered so he says well what, what? he says yeah we're going to go back up he says well, why and, and he said captain I have walked with the Lord now 50 years and there's never been one time that I did not get an audience before the king the fog's lifting and by the time we get back up there it'll be gone sure enough he got back up the fog was gone 
They made their way to Quebec. The captain later committed his life to Christ. I read someone like a George Mueller, and it really dials into this whatever thing. There's nothing too small. But you do have to do what the fourth part is. And the fourth part has to do with the conditions of prayer. And the conditions of prayer, it says, because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment. It goes on in verse 23, that we believe in the name of the Son of Jesus Christ, his Son Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. The conditions of prayer, to love others and to please God, it has to do with your attitude in prayer. You want effective praying? Then come with boldness. You want effective praying? Then you need to believe that you can receive God's goodness, His grace for His glory. You want effective praying? Then you need to be able to pray for the small things as well as some of the bigger things, knowing that God cares for all things and He can act. But when you come to pray, it will not be effective if you do not meet the conditions of prayer, which is to follow and please the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's doing. That we would please the Lord. We would please the Lord by obeying his commands and that we would please the Lord as it says then in the final verse, verse 24 for today. Whoever keeps his commands abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Effective praying comes to please God, to serve his purposes, to abide with him. And I've had to a lot of times ask God to purify my prayer life. Lord, is there self-centeredness in this? I'll even pray for somebody's salvation, but I want them to be saved so they can have a kindred spirit with me more. No. I want them to be saved for God to be glorified. I want them to be saved because of what God has in store for them. If I have self-centeredness in my prayer, then God's going to say, hey, could you just uh, gut check the attitude there, Carrie? Because it's not about the actions. You see, a lot of times we think if we're in right standing before God, if we do all the things on our checklist and we can go to God and say, I've done all this, and, and maybe you've bartered with God. You've done that before in your prayer life. Look at what I've done for you. Come on, give me a little bit. No, it doesn't have to do with the actions foremostly. It's the attitudes of which we come before him. In the Old Testament, they were doing a lot of sacrifices and sacrifices, incense before the throne. And there's places in the Old Testament where God just says, enough, it's a stench in my face that you would think just because you do all these religious practices that you can earn favor with me. When look at your heart, look at your attitude. And so when we pray, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. And when you pray in the name of Jesus Christ, you are praying so that Jesus is glorified to the Father and that the work of King Jesus in the kingdom of God goes forward. The spirit of prayer, the purpose of prayer, the scope of prayer, the conditions of prayer. I could bring out E.M. Bounds, who's another great prayer saint. He has a stack of books that high on prayer. This just is a little tickle today. But my question to you is, 
Is God answering your prayers? And have you walked away from praying for something that God's called you to pray for, but the adversary has caused you to disbelieve? Friends, whatever it is, pray with confidence that you will receive from the Lord as you obey his commands and do what's pleasing to him. When I glory in Christ Jesus through worship and obedience, then I gain the adventure of answered prayer, the daily experience and encouragement of asking and receiving from God. This is to be the normal Christian life. I'm going to ask the ushers if they take their places to come to receive the Lord's tithes and offerings. But on the back of your Connect card that you're able to place in that basket is prayer request. I want us to learn how to pray one with another more as we head through the summer into the fall. And those prayer requests, to be able to get those, that they're sent out, to be a part of our culture, to pray one for another so that we can pray and believe to receive for God to be glorified. Ushers, you can just come to receive, whether tithes and offerings or a connect card. I know many of you give online. It's understandable. But uh, just give to the Lord. But offer up your prayers and petitions to Him, too, that are written on the back. And... If you're at a place in your life where you need to grow spiritually, there's a place that can mark that or come to know Christ. We want to see you grow in your faith to become like an Apostle John who not only walked with Jesus when he was on this earth, but he abided and communed with Jesus all the days of his life until he went to be with the Lord. And if there's prayer requests that you would even have this morning and you're saying, I'm pretty weak in my prayer life and I don't even know how to pray. Could I maybe pray with someone? That's why we always establish a prayer area over here to your right that you can gather over there and someone from our prayer team will be more than glad to pray with you. You can go ahead. And so I encourage you this week, Independence Fourth Week, right? To be bold in your prayer life and to not hold back. And in that, will you pray with me as we close? Our Lord Jesus, we stand before you because not of our righteousness, but because of your righteousness. And we can be bold and confident because we have a relationship with you. Lord, protect us from arrogance and self-centeredness in our request. But Lord, may we be bold in your kingdom's request to bring about your will on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, whether it's a changed life around us, whether it's sustenance for living, Lord, whether it's a different path to be able to walk, we know, God, that you are the one who answers our prayer. Lord, even here this morning, as I chatted with someone before service who said it was one year ago today that they've been clean from alcohol. Lord, all the number of prayers that would have gone into that, and you've answered that prayer for a whole year. They've been changed and transformed from that addictive behavior. Lord, I know not what addictive behaviors are here today or what indifferences are in the hearts of people or in the friends and family members we have, but Lord, may we lift our petitions and our prayer requests to you because you are the God who wants to be glorified through answering prayers. Create within us, not only as individuals, but within us as a church, a dynamic prayer life. And God's people said, amen. Thank you. God bless. and. Have a great fourth. We will see you next week.